I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Football Social Daily, the Premier League podcast. This is the award-winning Premier League podcast, Football Social Daily. Hit subscribe or follow right now on your favourite podcast platform and that way you'll never miss an episode of the show again. On today's podcast, we'll look back at a point of peace in the Premier League for Nottingham Forest and Burnley and the Clarets could have won it too but VAR denied Vincent company yet to get to grips with the tech in the top flight, he says. And, of course, for the first time this season, it's the return of this. The Champions League is back and Newcastle United are in action tonight. And Marley is back as well. How are you doing, Marley? I'm doing very well. I'm uh, amazed you've got my, my ringtone as the uh, <laughs> as the intro music there. The music I'll never get to hear in my life supporting my club. So make the most of it, will you? Yeah, they, uh, they might play it in a seniors game or something. Yeah, I might have a 2008 throwback or whatever it was. <laughs> We've never played the Champions League <laughs> and we never will. So, I mean, I can vicariously live that dream through you two. because Manchester United are also in the Champions League this season as one of four Premier League representatives. They don't play until tomorrow. So do Arsenal. But for tonight, it's Manchester City and Newcastle, the two clubs in action. And we'll get on to that very shortly because there's been a bit of controversy around Newcastle and their game with AC Milan tonight. But first, let's talk about the Premier League action that took place Nottingham Forest against Burnley at the City Ground. It finished 1-1. 
1-1. A good goal from Callum Hudson-Odoi cancelling out Zeki Amduni's opener for Burnley. And Burnley could have won it at the end, but for a bit of late drama with VAR ruling out one of their goals. The thing that strikes me the most about this, Joel, is not actually the scoreline or the fact that there was a late goal ruled out. It was the fact that Vincent Company after the game, said that in the championship, if you score in the last minute, it's a goal because there's no technology. Do you think it's a bit weird that companies come out and said that after five Premier League games, he's not used to the technology? He was a player in the Premier League for a long time. He's probably watched Premier League football. I mean, he should know that VAR is there. Honestly, everyone's so fickle, aren't they, when it comes to... If the decision went his way, he would have said, you know, it's a great tool to have in the game. And now that it's gone completely against him... I mean, he's welcome to go back to the Championship if he really well, if he really likes it that much and he doesn't like the rules. Go bugger off to the Championship after this season with the way it's going. But I did say yesterday, and for any Burnley fans listening, I'm not against your team. I actually said you need to have patience because they've had a difficult start to the season. But I thought Amadouni was unreal yesterday. I'm not, I'm not against your team, but bugger off back to the championship. <laughs> it's only because it's, oh, it's going to come for you, Joel. It's only because it's Vincent Company. Anything else, Burnley, is, I, I find it absolutely perfect. I tell you what, he does need to get rid of suit jacket with a baseball cap. Just no Vincent Company. Absolutely think- not. That is a fashion disaster. That's one of the worst we've seen in the Premier League in recent times. If I'm not wrong, I think that was his attire during the championship season. So I think he believes it's almost like, you know, the Mourinho era Gile, where he almost went into complete shithouse mode. I feel like that's the company now. That's his persona and that's what he's going with. But it was a good account for both teams, I thought, especially hudson Odoi's amazing goal. But... Yeah, in terms of Burnley and the VAR, I mean, we're going to probably hear this every single week, aren't we, of complaints and managers that are going to be calling it out and calling referees out. It's just part and parcel of the game now. But like I said, I think Burnley, they just need to find the rhythm and they just need to start hopefully getting a few more nicer fixtures because having such difficult fixtures at the start doesn't help company whatsoever in comparison to other teams that have had pretty easier fixtures to begin with. I always thought Vincent Company had tracksuits when he was managing on the touchline. I didn't think he was into the suits with baseball caps look, but maybe you're right, Joel. I can't proclaim to have seen much of Burnley last season, but I thought he was very much a Tony Pulish, Jurgen Klopp kind of guy, tracksuit on the touchline and not not stepping the gear up a bit. It's almost like he's forgot to take the hat off (laughs) whilst getting changed. But he did say, actually, after that VR decision, I have to get used to it in the championship. If it's in, it's in. I have a decent business and coaching brain, but when it comes to laws and legality, I switch off. Handball this way or that, they come and explain it to us, but I've made a decision to trust what they are doing and have the right intentions. It's not something I want to discuss too much. I cannot change it now. I understand what he's getting at, Marley, but really for a coach to say that he switches off when it comes to understanding the rules of Premier League football... Is that cause for concern or is that just one of those throwaway comments that managers sometimes come up with? Um, I kind of get it because there's an awful lot of managers who who put so much energy into complaining about how their team's been hard done by and how this has gone against them and stuff. And a lot of the time they do have have genuine um, points. Like we've seen them... Sheffield United manager Paul Heckingbottom this weekend, you know, ranting about how they, um, the referees are dictating how they they play, and he's got a point, but but also I don't think it's going to change anything. So I, I think companies 
companies number one companies are very very intelligent man there's a lot of thick idiots that have managed football teams over the years and he isn't he isn't one of them um so i think he's just gone you know what i can't i can't change anything i've got to kind of get used to to how this works and even though it's it's unfair at times um i feel like you know he's he's made that decision and and that's what he means by his his comments of you know i'm not interested in you know, pleading my case every week of how this should have stood and how that should have stood and how this shouldn't have been a foul, but this one was last week. And I kind of get that. And I, I do respect it for just saying, you know what, I'm just going to, I'm going to allow the other 19 Premier League managers to bitch and moan about everything that's gone against them uh, and will continue to do so because nothing's really going to change. You're going to end up at the behest of the the officials and you are going to get apologies from officials when they, they say, oh, sorry, we got this wrong. And VAR hasn't really changed that much because we're still seeing bad decisions and that was the whole point of VAR to, to get rid of the bad decisions. Gives Burnley their first point of the Premier League season though but they're still in the relegation zone 19th but considering the start that Burnley have had and the fact that they've lost three in a row till now and they've had some tough teams as we discussed yesterday would they have taken a point away at Nottingham Forest before the game do you think? I don't think it matters now because they've got Manchester United at home on Saturday. So what better way to begin the campaign than getting a nice three points against us, which is what usually happens anyway. Especially so, in night games as well. It's an evening kickoff. So. Oh, honestly, we have such a poor record at Turf Moor. I remember the very first time they came up, I think in 2009, when Robbie Blake scored the Blakey. only goal for them. Beauty goal. Yeah. And I remember Di Maria's debut against Burnley I believe it was a one-all draw that was Van Gaal's first season we just never have good games there it's always really difficult and I expect Saturday to be even more difficult especially if the weather's like I'm looking outside now (laughs) which is dark gloomy and like Mordor so yeah let's see how it goes I'm not really not looking forward to it Burnley's like Mordor in the middle of July so (laughs) (laughs) just all year round and that's not just because of the weather (laughs) so Anyway, a point for Vincent Company's Burnley last night, a point as well for Steve Cooper's Nottingham Forest, as Joel mentioned, a really good goal from Callum Hudson-Odoi. And before we move on to talk about the Champions League, Marley, Nottingham Forest have almost made a habit this summer of signing players who are at bigger clubs, with all due respect to Forest, Anthony Alanga, for example, at Manchester United Academy graduate, has some first team games, isn't really quite at Eric Ten Hag's required level. Callum Hudson-Odoi, of course, did well at Chelsea initially, but last few years has lost his way. They're just two signings. And so, you know, they're two signings who have made a difference. So interesting that he's kind of flourished with that goal for Forrest last night. Yep. And I uh, remember saying it, didn't I? I said he's he's not done yet, Hudson-Odoi. Three million for him is ridiculous. Uh, The guy's got mad talent. He just needs a coach. To trust him, put his arm around him, and play him in his best position, and give him, give him, give him a bit of a free roll if that's what he wants and that's what he needs. And you know, three million. I seen someone on Twitter before say Chelsea let him go for three million, but bought bought Mudrick for ninety million, and the guy's done nothing since since arriving in the the country. And that's not the only Chelsea waste of money that's uh, still rocking the blue shirt every every Saturday. So. He, um, I'm glad for him. Absolutely magnificent goal. Two brilliant goals actually last night. Amdouni's technique on Amdouni's strike was absolutely brilliant as well. But Hudson Adoy just chopping inside onto his right foot, and then the quality of that finish is is ridiculous. You could have had two goalies in there, and uh, they wouldn't have had a shot at that. But yeah, I'm glad he's uh, glad he's doing well. But it's Forest need to just 
I feel like they're showing signs now of being a decent team, but they, they can't put it together for 90 minutes. Uh, you've seen it against Man U, 2 0 up and they lost, and, you know, giving away leads and things like that. I think they just need a bit more steel to them, I think. Uh, and Joe Worrell as well. I, I like. I, I like that he's been there a long time, but when he gets skinned for that first goal, it's it's so obvious that it's going to happen. Um, and he lets him in anyway. And it's you know you're not winning a, a foot race against a five foot six winger when you're a six foot four centre back with ten yards of space around him. So just deal with it a bit better, really. Yeah. No, you're absolutely not. And that sounds like what might happen tonight when Dan Byrne is rolled out onto the San Siro for Newcastle United <laughs> because we're going to talk about the Magpies' first foray into the Champions League for 20 years next on Football Social Daily. See you after this. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Welcome back. This is Football Social Daily, your award-winning Premier League podcast. But it's the Champions League we're going to discuss next on the show. And two of the four English clubs in the competition for this season are in action tonight. Manchester City, of course, defending champions after winning the trophy for the first time last season. But Newcastle United, all eyes are on them because they kick off this season's group stages with a 5.45pm start at the San Siro, an amazing venue an amazing opponent for Newcastle United to resume life in the Champions League after two decades away. There are so many narratives around this game, Marley. Tonali going back to AC Milan, AC Milan having been smashed by City rivals Inter in the local derby at the weekend, 5-1 in Serie A. A lot to dissect around this game. That's before we even get into the controversy of Newcastle missing their press conference yesterday. Oh yeah, that that huge huge headline. Um, yeah, twenty years ago it, we we were playing Milan as well, playing in Milan. It was into that time, but it was same stadium, you know, same uh, same city. Um, and for twenty years, no one's ever seen a Macam out there. And for twenty years more, they'll never see a Macam out there either. So it's um, it's interesting. It's funny. I I completely forgot we played at five forty five. I, I I always forget they stagger the um, the kickoff times now, but. 
it's interesting that the first group stage and they've they've put us on um put us on there it's kind of nice that we're kicking off the champions league group stage because you're so against, massive uh, marley such a massive against club. the powerhouse uefa don't want to be embarrassed by having newcastle on prime time <laughs> everyone's uh, <laughs> everyone's clocking off work slightly early i mean if you still work at 5:45 anyway you should have a word with your boss anyway but yeah it's um yeah i'm happy to happy to have it back i think i think Everyone's writing us off as well. I think we'll beat AC Milan tonight. I don't yeah. think I don't think we'll lose. I think we'll get at least a point. Well, how do you think Milan will react, Joel? Because destroyed by Inter, you know, comprehensively, five-one loss in the Milan derby. So that's a serious scoreline. Is it going to be an element of wounded animal, or can Newcastle capitalise upon that poor performance from Saturday? This is what I mean. You don't know what kind of Milan you're going to get. Is it going to be one that really needs a reaction after losing 5-1, which is one of the biggest Milan derby defeats in a long, long, long time? Or are you going to get another Milan, which is really poor? Because I watched a little bit of the Milan derby, and looking at the AC team compared to the Inter team, it's just absolutely worlds apart in terms of like for like quality. Of course, there's the one standout player for Milan, which is Rafael Liao. And he's going to be the one that Newcastle have to really silence if if they are to get any anything from the result. I mean, even Olivier Giroud, for example, he's another player who I know he he's, I think he's criminally underrated because he's been a massive influence in so many titles that he's played and won. For example, the World Cup, Champions League victories titles that he's won with Milan uh, not so long ago he's a massive massive player but again this Milan side I was looking at highlights that I saw on Twitter of when Newcastle were last in Milan I know it was the different Milan side but it's looking that they're not playing that Milan side of 2003 when they had the likes of Shevchenko and Perlo and all these brilliant players Gattuso that they had because it's a very very new look Milan side compared to then but I think going off now in the current climate I think Newcastle have every opportunity going to the San Siro in 2023 is a very different proposition to going there in 2005 or 2007 when they were both at their absolute peak well, it depends which Milan club you're playing I think to be fair they were both class in that era I remember United going to the San Siro in 2007 and we got absolutely demolished. Well, I've never seen such a mauling. Milan won the Champions League that season. Yeah, they won it that season in, in Athens, I think it was against Liverpool. But they, they beat us on the way and they absolutely dispatched us. This is a very different Milan side though. So yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what kind of reaction they have. But again, as long as Newcastle can kind of tame the threat of Rafa Liao and Olivier Giroud, I think they have every chance to do it today. I mean, this is called the group of death, Marley, but you seem quietly confident that you're going to be able to squeeze through to the knockout stages. And it's only match day one, so there's lots of football still to play. But when you think of the teams that you've been drawn against, it won't be easy, but you do seem quietly confident of progression. Yeah, I I, I am. I'm sort of hopeful for it because, I, like like Joel said, this isn't AC Milan of 2007, 2005. It's, it's a different Milan side. They're, they're very much... And also ran in the um, in the Italian league. You know they've just been hammered by Inter. That's not a coincidence. Um, they've sold the best player to us. Well, one of the two standout players to us in the summer because they couldn't reject fifty million. And it was like, I feel like that's a a sign of where they are as a club. I think they they have to rebuild. Um, I know the finances aren't great, but you know they've they've got work to do there you know Pulisic and Giroud and Liao up front you know two of them who couldn't really make it 
Pulisic couldn't make it in the Premier League. He started well at AC, to be fair. But I just look at them and think, you're a good side, but but that's it. You're a good side. But do you feel the same way about Dortmund and PSG? And I know it's Milan first, so I don't want to sidetrack too much. But Dortmund and PSG are tougher opponents than Milan, do you think? PSG are. Uh, I don't know about Dortmund. I think Dortmund are a better team than Milan, but Milan have probably got that like that standout player like Liao, for example, who can do things um, that probably, probably any, any player in the AC team or the Dortmund team can't do, for example. Like he's got that like star quality type of thing. But I look at Dortmund and it's just think Dortmund are always just they're an also ran in Germany. They're not buying. They you know they bottled it on the last day of last season. Have they have they got any incredible players? No, they've got a lot of very good players. But, you know, they, they get to some and they lose the best players and you know you look at them and they at the weekend, they struggled and they lost Bellingham this summer. They lost Guerrero this summer. And you look at them and think, who who are you scared of at Dortmund? You, there's no real standouts. Yeah, but if, if we flip it if we flip it the other way, none of those teams that you've mentioned will be scared of Newcastle, surely. This is a club who hasn't played in the Champions League for 20 years. That might work in your favour, in all fairness, but I don't think anyone would be fearing. Maybe if St. James's Park can live up to the atmosphere that we're expecting. but They'll be you know. fearing the fact that there's not many pot four teams that have came into the Champions League that are as good as Newcastle are in terms of, you know, usually you think of pot four, you get you get Red Star, Belgrade, or yeah. Slavia, Prague, Man City or someone like that. Tonight, incidentally, yeah, Red Star, Belgrade, with, yeah. yeah, someone with a tiny budget who can't really compete, but they, they've won their domestic league five years in a row or something like that. Whereas Newcastle are going into it and they're, they're taking AC Milan's, you know, metronome in midfield and taking their, their player... And it's like, right, this is a serious team. And then there's Bruno Gomares, who could probably have played in a better. He probably could have played in a in a Barcelona or a Real Madrid after the first season that he had. But you know, because we achieved and we got in the Champions League, there was no reason for him to move. And there's Sven Botman and Kieran Trippier. There's there's stars in in our team. I think that people will be wary of. But um, there's also a lot of people that have never played in the Champions League in Newcastle's side. So is that going to make a difference? Maybe, but. I, you know, it's it's still it's still football at the end of the day, and it's a it's a slightly different tempo. I think it's probably a slower tempo than the Premier League, um, in the Champions League, which is fair enough. But I just think is Anthony Gordon or Elliot Anderson coming off the bench in the San Siro? It's not quite the same as coming off the bench at Bramall Lane, is it? Or no, no, anywhere no, else? It's different. But then you look at you know you look at AC Milan and and who they're bringing off the bench, and it's you know. Uh, Alessandro Florenzi, Yassine Adli, Luka Jovic, who's been, you know, rented out around Europe for the last couple of years. Marley, I was going to say, we, we, we forgot to mention the biggest threat to Newcastle tonight. The biggest one of all, Sandro Tonali. Tonali, what? If anyone Reverted. saw the video of him in the San Siro just before the game looking out onto the pitch, he was like Squidward when he, that meme was Squidward where he's looking out of the window and seeing all his friends play outside and he's dying to be on there. <laughs> I was thinking he must be, do you know the reason why they've done the 545 kickoff? 
So he can be in the Milan City Centre and have aperitivo for seven. It's not. It's to stop the Newcastle fans being in the Milan City Centre for too long. They want them off the streets whilst everyone goes home from work because they've absolutely flooded the place. And that's no pun intended because it has been hosing it down in northern Italy for the last two days. And the Newcastle fans have still been enjoying their time in Italy, even though it has been pouring with rain. Eddie Howe has never managed in the Champions League before. Neither had Graham Potter before he did so with Chelsea last season. As Marley says, it's still just a game of football. It's still 11 v 11. Are we going to find out a bit more about Eddie Howe that maybe we didn't know through the course of this Champions League campaign? I'm trying to think of a scenario which resembles this Newcastle new era and it's the Manchester City one they, when they first started getting into the Champions League and they got really difficult groups. I remember when they were getting the likes of Napoli, Bayern Munich, Real Madrid constantly every single season until now where they seem to be getting the benefit of the draw strangely every single season but it just seems like I feel like for Newcastle they're either going to get a really really tough lesson of European football which is what City did at times although I felt like they held their own at massive times as well but I just think with the with the group that Newcastle are in I genuinely wouldn't be worried because Dortmund, I, I, in my opinion... How can you not be worried with a group with Milan, Dortmund and PSG? Yeah, but you're looking at the names more than the quality. No, you're looking at experience. It's exactly what you've just said. That's what Manchester City struggled with. Even though they had better players and a better team, the early stages of their Champions League tenure, Manchester City really struggled to overcome that element of elitism and heritage in the Champions League. Their groups were much tougher though. And that was that was in a period of time where European football was really strong in terms of quality, where they were having the likes of Bayern who did the treble, the likes of Napoli who are one of the best teams in Europe. When you look at now, Paris Saint-Germain, don't get me wrong, when they play Newcastle, they'll be strong favourites. But in the league at the moment, they're really poor. Dortmund, similarly, they've lost their, arguably their best player to Real Madrid. I think I think Dortmund are probably one of the strongest teams that Newcastle probably have to watch in in the groups this year. But we've seen previously, like you've said, now this kind of goes to your point of just you know football heritage. When a team like Milan have won so many Champions Leagues, regardless of the type of yeah. team they have at the moment, there's just something in the something in the sky, something in the dust, which gives them that edge. Yeah. But that's, I feel like it only applies to Real Madrid that sometimes, is, though, because they, they just seem to pluck it out thin air, whereas AC Milan, they've played Chelsea, they've played all these big teams and they've not managed to do anything. But this AC Milan team reached the Champions League semi-finals last year. And yes, they've lost to Nali, but largely it's the same players. So this is something that I think it's easy to look at on paper and go, well, Newcastle aren't coming up against the Milan side that are scintillating. But they did reach the semi-finals of the Champions League last year, right? And yes, the quality isn't as good. Dortmund should have won the Bundesliga on the last day but bottled it. They should be the champions of Germany. And PSG always win the French League, and I think that they're a bit of an anomaly. But in terms of individual quality of all of the clubs in that group, PSG have the world-class players, like Mbappe, for example. So, you know, that's what you're contending with. And yes, Newcastle are a very good football team and I think have a great chance of getting through the group because of all the reasons Marley said. But I also think 
you have to look at the Champions League objectively sometimes and just think, you know, you have to you have to give these clubs respect. They are, I think they are, though. I mean, when you look at Paris Saint-Germain, they've had difficulties in the Champions League. I think there's more expectation on them than Newcastle. I don't think Newcastle needs to have much... Well, considering the budgets that they've got available and what they are at the moment, I feel like there is an element of expectation purely because of their rise in the last year. But Paris Saint-Germain have got way more pressure on themselves to go far in the competition this year. AC Milan probably do as well. So I feel like for Newcastle, it's a free hit. If they drop into the Europa League, so what? It's a great competition to try and win. So it's honestly, it's such a free ride this year for them. But because the opportunity's there, I still think we'll, we'll see tonight from how they approach it and how Eddie Howe approaches it. It could be an absolute disaster of a night where a lot of teams get swallowed up by the atmosphere of the San Siro and how big it is and the occasion of it all. We'll see tonight how they react to it. It's going to either going to be one of those nights or it's going to be one of those nights where Milan just aren't the team that they used to be and Newcastle can get at them. But I do think it's going to be a difficult campaign for Newcastle this year. All right, well, we'll find out how it starts at 5.45 as Newcastle take on Milan in the San Siro. We're going to keep talking about this game next, though, because last night Newcastle United broke UEFA rules. Their first game of the Champions League hasn't even started yet and they're already getting on UEFA's nerves. We'll tell you why after this on FSD. Welcome back. This is Football Social Daily, the award-winning Premier League podcast. I'm Niall Marley and Joel are with me. And as Joel mentioned earlier on on today's show, the weather outside has been absolutely horrific the last day or so in Manchester. And I think it's also been equally as bad in Milan, which is where Newcastle play their group stage opener of the Champions League tonight. And as such, Marley, the Newcastle players were sat on the runway in their plane to head to Milan for two hours yesterday and they missed the UEFA deadline for their pre-match press conference. It was supposed to start at 7 and they didn't turn up till 9 o'clock. This is, with no pun intended, a bit of a storm in a teacup. But Newcastle could actually be punished or sanctioned for the fact that they didn't make this press conference. Eddie Howe blames the weather. Sounded like Jurgen Klopp. <laughs> God, I, I don't know. I woke up this morning and I was like, there was a headline from Sky Sports or whoever it was and it was like, Newcastle break rules and it's like, well, I was like, oh God, what's happened? And I, it was like a storm has stopped the uh, the airplane, airplane from taking off. It's like there's a huge storm going around central, southern southern Europe at the minute. And what, I just thought, what do you want us to do? Do you want us to fly through a storm so we can speak to a couple of press reporters? Yeah, you should. You should be putting your lives at risk for the UEFA press conference. Exactly. I don't think you realise how important that truly is. Crazy, isn't it? Absolutely crazy. But it's, I just... If I put my Matt Letizia tinfoil hat on, I feel like it's it's the start of something. And it's like the press going, oh, well, they can't be doing this. It's like you could have... You know, it was obvious why we missed the press conference. Like the pilot of a plane carrying, you know, a hundred of the most, you know... Expensive assets in Newcastle. Yeah. Yeah, you've got how many £50 million players in that that thing? And you... uh, uh, No, we've got... Sorry, lads, we've got to to fly through this turbulence. The plane might go upside down, but I'll catch it before it drops 37,000 feet. Don't worry. I heard it was late because Jason Tindall was too busy doing his bar. Probably. 
But still, time has to wait for Jason Tindall. It's simple as that. He was probably asking what the pilot what all the buttons did. Should have just left without him, to be honest. I think it would have made everyone Honestly, happier. man, the narrative around it of, oh, they've brought the rules already. It's just designed to to sort of cultivate this hate of, of Newcastle. It's like, what's going on? Like, of course, we didn't fly through the storm. We don't want to kill all the people. We want a club at the end of of this, uh, this away day. Um... You've seen the weather. If you've seen the scenes outside the San Siro, it's absolute madness. <laughs> Everything's flying everywhere. There's parasols going left, right and centre. Um, and there's Newcastle fans shirtless sliding through the streets of Milan still, uh, which is uh, typical uh, typical Newcastle fans, really. It was hard enough to get a flight, never mind one that left on time. Joel, you won the quiz this week, so I want you to tell me what the real name of the San Siro is. Do you mean the real name? Oh, tell me you know this, Joel. Come on. You know, West Ham, their ground was never called Upton Park. It was called the Berlin Ground. Everyone just called it Upton Park. Well, the San Siro is colloquially known as the San Siro. It's not its real name. Oh, isn't it like Giuseppe something? Yes. Well, I'll give you it. Giuseppe Miazza, no, it was yeah. Sloppy Giuseppe, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Giuseppe Miazza. He's like, played for like the 1930s or something. Didn't he play for both Milan teams and uh, scored loads of goals or whatever? Well, forget the 1930s. What about the 1940s? Because we had a five-star review on the podcast earlier this week and you can leave a review as well if you like what you hear on FSD. It helps the podcast grow and become more visible and it allows more people to download and listen to the show, which is obviously great for us. And we appreciate when you do leave a review. But this one comes from... Uh, a reviewer that says top footy chat nice laid back coverage of the Premier League they are all good lads with some football knowledge but a shout out to the Manchester United fan wandering about like Hiru Onodar with PTSD banging on about Alex Ferguson and being a massive club even though that's over a decade in the past <laughs> oh that's definitely a fan who got hurt by Sir Alex Ferguson all those years you can feel the, the tears through that review we'll take the five stars but you know if you ever need a little bit of consoling from all those years of hurt just come, come to us. I love it when we get a review because it always airs one of us. That's the, that's like, the, like, always, that's like the caveat. Something. We get a five-star review, but it has to have some little underlying, yeah. disgusting yeah. dig at one of us. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just glad the, Not- the Nottingham Forest fans don't seem to have found the review uh, section yet. Otherwise, I'm... I'm Basically, <laughs> the podcast uh, is finished. It's fair game as long as it's five stars. Is that what we're saying? <laughs> yeah, five yeah, stars yeah. and you can say is the worst you've ever heard but, we'll take it <laughs> we'll take the criticism it's spot on though as well it's spot on Joel's always banging on about the good old days and honestly oh, everything that, should be easy like it was in the night. that reference to Hiru absolutely killed me that is very niche <laughs> extremely know, niche I I'll give him I, that um, I've got a confession. Who who the hell's that? Uh, so basically that Hiru Onodar was a Japanese army general who when the Japanese were defeated in World War 2 just refused to surrender refused just refused to give up so basically what this guy's saying is that joel's refusing to accept that manchester united aren't what they used to be so it made me laugh a lot is a good reference that ah brilliant i like it even more now i I would put money on that being a scouser or a city fan one or the other well talking of city fans they've got red star belgrade but in terms of a first group game to try and defend your champions league crown joel You'd take it, wouldn't you, against a side like Red Star Belgrade? Well, I mean, as history goes, City tend to do get really nice group stages in the Champions League, especially in the last three or four years. But I guess it's it's almost balanced itself out because, like I mentioned at the start, they were getting such difficult groups for the first decade of their Champions League run. 
I'm curious to see how they react in this campaign now because after winning it, sometimes it feels like that curse, that blockage, whatever you want to call it, that they've still not won their first is almost just disappeared now. So will it be a case of feeling a little bit more free in this campaign with the lack of pressure or will there be even more pressure to try and go and retain it because the only team who's managed to retain it uh, in the new era, let's say, is Real Madrid. Even still, they're still one of the favourites to win it 100%. But when you look at when you look at the group, they're already like a given to get into the last sixteen of the of the Champions League. I think when you look at the favourites this year, it's the same as usual. It's them, Real Madrid, probably Bayern Munich, and I would say an outside chance for we always say someone like PSG or someone else. But they're they're the main three, aren't they? Well, Pep Guardiola in his press conference ahead of this game said that Manchester City haven't achieved anything yet in picking up just one Champions League. Now, I'm not sure what that tells us about his ambitions as a manager or whether that is just Pep Guardiola being as bullish as ever, because most clubs would love to have just one Champions League. But until they win a couple or win it back to back, which was, I think, what he was alluding to, then Manchester City can truly be considered great. Now, I've always said that until they win that first Champions League, they won't ever be considered a great European club. Now they have a chance to do something special, which has very rarely been done by going and winning it again. Do you think this is just Pep trying to keep his players on the trail of success? Or do you think he genuinely means what he says by the fact that they've won, they've achieved nothing by winning just one Champions League? Yeah, this is just him trying to keep them hungry. I think think when you've won the treble, the challenge becomes um how do i how do i motivate the players to to do that again or to um to go one step further when there isn't there isn't one step further i think the only sort of step further is an unbeaten season and and doing things but that doesn't relate to the champions league at all because you've already won it um so the only thing they can do that hasn't been done before is win it uh win it four times in a row i think did real madrid win it three times in a row 16 17 18 something like that so yeah it's um they need to to think about that really and that starts tonight at home to red star you know they'll put four or five past them i would assume quite convincingly but yeah it becomes about you know what can you do um in the future and i think pep pep knows that it's about motivation he knows that he's got a squad that have just come off the back of winning it so why why would there be desperately hungry to win it again when they've they've finally realized that dream that they've been chasing for three or four years and come close in in the 2020 final when Havertz came through and scored for Chelsea you know they should have won it that year but then they they got re, like revenge and and, uh, and won it last year so it just becomes about keeping the same set of players hungry and I think with the new lads coming in Kovacic and, and Doku and you know the likes of uh, of those types that it will keep them hungry and that they'll start favourites for every game, including the Champions League final, should they get there. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see if they can do it. But I wouldn't. I wouldn't back against them. What do you think, Joel? I know it's difficult being a red, and your club, Manchester United, play tomorrow against Bayern Munich, which I'm sure we'll discuss on tomorrow's episode. But how do you feel about Manchester City potentially doing back to back? They've got a good chance, haven't they? Yeah, you would feel like in this campaign, whichever team beats them in the knockouts pretty much wins it don't they considering how good they are and how good they were in the previous campaign I think if we cast our minds back to that semi-final against Real Madrid where they absolutely dispatched them at the Etihad that game in that first half it was just electric I don't think we've ever seen a Real Madrid team get 
taken apart quite convincingly like that game. And if you base, your, base that team off of that performance alone, I mean, they're easily the team to beat by an absolute mile. So it's just like Marley said, they'll go into every single game, every knockout game, feeling like they are absolute favourites. And I think the only teams, like I mentioned, that can potentially match them this year, and even still, I don't, re- I don't think Real Madrid are at their absolute optimum yet. I, I would have, because they've got such a huge gaping hole in the striking position, I still don't feel like they can compete at that level still. After Karim Benzema left, I still feel like they need that focal point. I mean, they've got Josselu who used to spearhead Stoke City, for God's sake. And now he's, actually, to be fair, he's got the winner for Real Madrid at the weekend. But uh, I do believe it's between Bayern and City. And that's purely because Kane has made a focal, it's become a focal point in that Bayern side. And that's why I'm a little bit worried for tomorrow. Uh, but we'll discuss that tomorrow once I've tempered my nerves a little bit. Yeah, we will. Right, Marley, it's nearly two o'clock, so you best get down the pub. Yeah, I got some uh, got some catching up to do by the by the by the looks of some of the videos I've seen knocking around in the past twelve hours. I was half expecting when we when we started recording Football Social Daily today that you would be somewhere in Milan because you weren't around yesterday. He said he was in the Lake District, but was he really? No, he actually was. He's definitely at home. Unfortunately, it was. Yeah. yeah. Uh, right then, that's it for today's episode. As Joel says, we'll discuss Manchester United's clash with Bayern tomorrow and indeed pick up off the back of however Newcastle get on tonight against AC Milan in the Champions League. So the best way to stay in the loop with the next episode of FSD is to hit subscribe or follow on your favourite or preferred podcast platform. Then you'll be notified as soon as a new episode drops. And also, even if it is to take the mickey out of Joel, then leave us a five-star review as well. Uh, That's a great way to help the podcast grow. But from Joel, Marley and I, that is it for today's Football Social Daily. We'll speak to you on the next one. Football Social Daily is a voice work sport production for the Sports Social Podcast Network.